Love Talk Radio. Everybody, this is Shar McCain and our, and our regular Sunday evening Bible study. And I'm sorry I missed last week. I wasn't feeling too well, but I'm here this week. And today we're going to continue with our Jude 1. And uh, let's start with our opening prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. I do have another eye surgery on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, today's Sunday. And I had my COVID test today, and it was positive, thank God. So I'll have my eye surgery on Tuesday, and if everything goes right, we'll be starting Revelation next week, or I might have to take a, a week break for my eye to, eye to recover because I'm having a, that cataract removal on my right eye this time. And in that case, then we'll skip a week, and I'll be back the week after because then we're going to start tackling Revelation, believe it or not. I think we can do it. All we can do is hope for the best and read and try to study and We'll do that and just take care of it. So anyway, so today is Jude 1, and I'm going to be reading uh, the uh, little summary here, and then we're going to go straight to the Bible and read that. So we have a lot of reading to do today. So Jude 1, if he related to Jesus, just like James and Peter, in that he doesn't include any personal stories about Jesus Christ, no recollections of a childhood spent playing with G.I. Joes or the Sea of Galilee or stories about how it's tough trying to live up to your brother. <laughs> anyway, especially when that brother is the only begotten son of God. Talk about sibling rivalry. Right on to the next question. Did Jude, a brother of James and Jesus, really write this epistle? Another blood relative pending biblical or another blood relative pending biblical works. Based on fact that none of our authors have been 100% authentic so far, what? You might be thinking, but no. You might be right or not. Jude kind of falls into a gray area. Quite a few scholars think the, le- the letter could have been written by a guy named Jude who lived in Palestine in the years just after Jesus' death. He's using a Hebrew translation of the Hebrew Bible, which would have been way more popular in Judea than in Greek version. He's also way into the book of Enoch, a bit of Jewish literature about the end of the world that was popular back in the day. It was light reading on a warm Jerusalem night. But on the no side, scholars point to the passage about the salvation we share, Jude 1.3. That's an idea that probably would have come around after all the original apostle has died. It takes a while to open things up to everyone after all. Most scholars lean toward the Jude wrote at camp. Think about it. If you're going to fake a letter, it makes more sense to say the author is Apostle Paul or St. Peter or James, the brother of Jesus. But Jude? He's not that big of a player in the first century church to attract notice. Even he has to cling to James' coattails by telling us they're related. We're not saying he's a nobody, but his name isn't packing the people in the seats either. If the real Jude is the author, that means this is a pretty old letter. It also means the second Peter is actually copying Jude. Well, Jude got a book in the Bible. Cool. So that was, you know, a little bit of a joking here and there. That's from schmoop.com. And now let's read the straight up version out of my Rotary Studies Bible. That's the only Bible I use. The Bible was left to me by somebody, and I was walking in Hermosa Beach to take out the trash, and there by the trash can was the Ryrie Study Bible. So I picked that Bible up and started reading it. I wore that one out, 
And now I'm on my second Rivalry Study Bible. So uh, if you're interested in getting a good Bible, I have the Rivalry Study Bible Expanded Edition and uh, the new the new American Standard. So Jude, introduction. Author is Jude, date 70 to 80. Arthasit. Jude identifies himself as the brother of James, the leader of the Jesus uh, Jerusalem Church and the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. Jude is listed among Christ's half-brothers, and this is listed in Mark and Matthew. Although by his his own statement, he intended to write a, tri, a treatise on salvation, pressing circumstances required him to deal instead with the false teacher's purpose. This letter was written to defend the apostolic faith against false teaching that were arising in the churches. Alarming advances were being made by the incipient form of Gnosticism, not atheism, like that attacked by Paul in the Colossians, but antinomian. The Gnostics viewed everything material as evil and everything spiritual as good. They therefore cultivated their spiritual lives, allowing their flesh to do anything it liked, with the result that they were guilty of all kinds of lawlessness. Anyway, there is Gnosticism introduction in the first John. We did read that. Extra biblical quotations. And the verses Jude quotes the pseudo uh, biographical apocalypse of the Enoch 1. And verse 9 alludes to the reference of another a pseudographical book and the assumption of Moses. This does not mean that he considered these books to be inspired. The canonical, as the canonical scriptures were. Paul quoted from the heathen poets without implying their spiritual spirituality. Anyway, those books uh, are saved in the Greek version in the apocryphal uh, books. But anyway, readership. The readers are not identified, but we know that they are beset by a false teacher who were immoral, covetousness, proud, and divisive. Content. Condemning the heretics is no uncertain terms. Jude exhorts his readers to contend earnestly for the faith. So we have to, once again, as we do now, stand straight and strong in our faith. And don't be swayed by every little simple thing that comes down the road that sounds a lot easier than just straight Christianity. Which it is hard to to stick with the original and with what really... uh, what our reality is in Jesus Christ. Uh, they have a timeline here. I don't know if reading it will make reading it out loud to you will make sense, but let's try it. It says timeline of Jude. Jesus begins his ministry, and that was A.D. 26 to 27, and he was crucified and resurrection when he was 30, and then the church was established at the Pentecost, and then James was writing and Paul was writing. Uh, in the year 45 and 50, then Jerusalem Council was held, and Paul's second ministry journey was held in 49 and 52. And then Paul's third missionary journey was in the year 56 and 58. And then the year 54, Nero becomes Roman emperor. 58 Romans is written, the book of Romans. And so then 6061, Paul is under house arrest at Rome. And then 67, Peter and Paul were martyred, and in 66, Second Peter was written. 
And then in 68, the Roman emperor Nero dies. And then Jude was written right after that in 70 to 80. And unfortunately, right after that, the destruction of Jerusalem. So now we know. So let's go on, and we're going to start reading First uh, Jude, letter to Jude. The salutation of purpose. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt necessary to write to you, appealing to you, that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the, to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Then, he's, then the next thing, the title is, Expose you to the false teachers and their doom. Now I desire to remind you, though, that you are all things once and for all that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who do not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under the darkness of the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them since in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh are exhibited as an example of un- undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. And it says, yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment that said the Lord rebuke you but these men revile the things that they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct like unreasonable animals by these things they are destroyed and then it says we're up to 11 now woe to them for they have gone the way of Cain and for and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah, these other men who are hidden reefs in your love feast, when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Wow. You know what? We have to read this again. Okay. It says, woe to them. For they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay, they have rushed headlong into the air of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who have, have hidden wreaths in your love feast, and they feast with your, you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam wandering stars for when the black darkness has been reserved forever it was also these men that enoch in the seventh generation from adam prophesied saying behold the lord came with many thousands of his holy ones 
to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are the grumblers finding fault, following with over their lusts, over their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. Wow. Exhorting to the believers, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time there will be mockers, follower after their own lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, wordly-minded, devoid of spirit. But you, beloved, let me turn the page here. You, beloved, would being yourselves up to your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. And now it's a benediction. Now to whom was able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. But to the only God of our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Well, dude, you told them. Now let's read our notes. So in one, Jude addresses all the Christians who have been called to a knowledge of God through Christ. They are beloved in God and kept for Jesus Christ as his second coming which is beautiful because we are kept aside, our Christians that stay loving and faithful for Jesus' second coming, which feels pretty close. I'm not sure how close, but pretty close. And then in our world today, things have gotten very strange um, as we hide and huddle in our houses and face all kinds of uncertainty. But anyway, then verse 3, it says, Contend earnestly for the faith which is once for all handed down. It says, stand, literally earnestly, uh, for the body of truth once for all given, not to be added to or subtracted from. And then it says, four, crept into the local churches, posing as believers, though in reality they are ungodly and unsaved. They taught that the believers sinned the more they magnified grace and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. The Greek word for master may be translated despot and is applied here to Jesus. To deny Jesus as Lord is to disbelieve the most basic Christian tenet. So if you deny Jesus at this point, you're not a Christian. That's just all there is to it. And then there's three examples of judgment reinforce the certainty of these false teachers' judgment. So, and five, it says, destroyed those who do not believe. The possibility of lapsing is illustrated by disbelieving Israelites who were saved out of Egypt, but were subsequently destroyed because they had a big relapse, if you don't, if you remember correctly, when Moses was with the burning bush and the Ten Commandments, and he came back, and they were all worshiping 
the golden god once again. I still can't believe that to this day. After everything, they were wandering around for 40 years, turned around, and they're once again worshiping the golden calf. I don't know. I still don't get it. But anyway, sorry. Then it says, (laughs) anyway, it says six, angels who did not keep their own domain. A reference to the group of fallen angels who Satan persuaded to cohabit with the women, if you remember that crazy stuff in Genesis, and who were con- confined immediately because of their gross nature of their sin. And the apocryphal book of Enoch describes their dramatic end. And if you want to, they do carry that. I know the Greek and the Catholic version do have those texts available if you want to read it. It is seven. It's on the homosexual practices of Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, that place, those places burned to the ground. But anyway, dreaming means that they were either unrealistic or justified in their teachings by citing visions they supposedly had. They defiled the flesh. Uh, the homosexuality for which they had been mentioned in verse uh, in the other verses is that they were actually defiling their own flesh. And then the angelic majesties it refers to. On verse 7, refers to angels, though it may include leaders of the church as well. And then 9, it even brings uh, up Michael. Even Michael showed respect for authority in sharp contrast to the false teacher who do not. Okay, rather than, 10, rather than having superior knowledge as they claim, the false teacher only brute animal knowledge. So they only have the brute knowledge. And uh, that's the way you know them is by... You know, how the brutish ways, they don't have the finesse. Eleven, the way of Cain, for his rejection of God's provision for acceptance within himself. And today, it is a rejection of God's offer of forgiveness through Christ and the error of Bilam. Bilam hired himself out as a prophet and prophesied deceit and covetedness and the rebellion of Korah. The sin of Korah was rebellion against duly constituted authority. So now we're getting a link on what, what was going on here. Okay, so we're now we're on 1213 Love Feast. These fellowship meals were went in connection with the Lord's Supper. And unfortunately, pride, greed, and rebellion summarize, let's see, summarize the ungodly men who corrupted these Beautiful love feast. These false teachers were selfish and had no water to offer thirsty souls and were unstable, fruitless, without spiritual roots, frothy, and like momentary shooting stars. So I guess it sounds real good in the short run, but they leave you empty and thirsty and hungry and wondering what happened. So, uh, that stuff comes and goes, and that that's stays used for today. You know that we get these spectacular ideas, and you know certain people that say that they're uh, holy and all this, and then pretty soon they got feet of clay and they come crashing down. And easy come, easy go. So anyway, the ones who cause division, for example, her- heretical groups that are worldly minded, as they are called in Corinthians, First Corinthians, natural. Jude declares that these false teachers are not truly redeemed. And then 2021 is to keep oneself in the love of God as a command and done so by building by building on the truth of God, praying, guided by the Spirit of God, 
and in waiting with the eternal internal perspective. So we just have to wait in anticipation and happiness. And I know things grieve us, but we just have to wait on God. And, you know, in our time, we will meet our maker one way or another. If there's, you know, we'll meet him when we pass away and go to heaven or we'll meet him, you know, in the end times. And this is all three activities are participles in the, our, our activities are particip- active participles in the Greek. So when you're saying it, it's like active waiting. So that's what they mean by that. Okay. And 22, have mercy. It says, read, convince who are doubting. Thus the verse says, have mercy or convince those who are doubting. So we have to help the doubters who, who really don't know by being strong in ourselves and saying, yes, there's hope. There's hope for you. That's why we have to never give up, no matter how bad it seems. And sometimes it seems bad, very bad. Okay, 23, others. The unsaved need to be snatched from the hellfire to still others show mercy while being fearful of contamination. So you don't want them to lead you down the wrong road, but you still have to try to help as much as you can. And then it goes an ending. One of the great benedictions of the New Testament is God is our Savior, out of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the title survives, occurring seven times. I, I love this last benediction, so let's say it again. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with a great joy, to the only God of our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be the glory, majesty, and dominion and authority for all time, now and forever. Amen. That's why I stopped and we read it again. It's because it's just so beautiful. And that's where uh, the Professor Ryrie uh, said it again for us. So that brings us to, guess what, Revelation. So that's the last book in the Bible is Revelation. It's quite a long book. So we're going to be tackling that. And then who knows what's going to happen after that. So... um, Let's save our place. We finished with uh, all the New Testament except for the Revelation. So we're going to start with that uh, next time. If I'm uh, still recovering from the hospital, then we'll uh, go on to um, the next week. Then we know that's where we start. So we've made it to this place, guys. Guys, we just, with our God's help and through us just sticking it out, we actually made it up to Revelation. I can't hardly believe it after all this time. So anyway, let's go to our book, uh, The Best of Angel Stories. And these are by the editor of Guideposts. So while we're here, we're going to read this story. And now this is A Motorcycle Miracle by Joan Wester Anderson. John was a teenager raised in a very religious family. But he was more interested in hot cars and pretty girls. My faith was very superficial, he said, consisting mostly of a strict adherence to the rules, except when my parents weren't looking. Shortly after getting his driver's license, John landed a well-paying job at a local grocery store chain. Soon he talked his dad into letting him buy a motorcycle. Now my independence was complete, John explained. I earned my own money. I was buying my own vehicle, and I felt like an adult. And at six feet tall and 250 pounds, he certainly looked like one. 
So one day when John's mother forbade him from visiting his girlfriend after school, he was immediately rebellious. I'm going to, I'm going, and nothing you can do or say will change my mind, he shouted. His mother, stunned, began to cry. John had never defied her, but now her son was storming out the back door. I'll be home by 10, he shouted to his, over his shoulder. After school, John went to his girlfriend's house in a nearby town about 30 minutes away. The teens spent the evening together watching television. I was so wrapped up in her that I paid no attention to the time, John said. Finally, at 9.45, he headed home, but getting home normally took a half hour. To shave time off his drive, he decided to take a short cross across shortcut across a highway closed for construction. Veering around a yellow and black striped barricade, he sped up about 70 miles per hour. A few moments later, he lost control and the motorcycle began to flip. Time seemed to slow to a crawl, he recalled. I hit the pavement head first and tumbled down the highway, head over heels. I remember seeing the moon pass my knees, and as I rolled to a stop, I remember extreme silence of the night. Clothes torn, John was bleeding from head to toe and could barely move. He was also in the middle of nowhere on a detoured highway with no hope of oncoming traffic. Would he die, he wondered hazily, before the road crews discovered him the next morning. As I lay there drifting in and out of consciousness, I saw two very bright lights approaching, John said. It was a car, and I knew that I needed to stop it. Shakily, he stumbled to his feet and stood swaying in the middle of the road and waved his arms for a moment, then fell again to the pavement. But the driver had apparently seen him, for the car slowed and then stopped. It was a recreational vehicle. A man stepped out of the RV and quickly assessed the situation. He lifted John's huge motorcycle to the the side of the road, then easily picked John up from his arms and carried him to the side easily picked John up in his arms and carried him to the side of his RV. How did he have so much strength? John couldn't concentrate. Everything seemed to be happening millions of miles away. He passed out until they reached his girlfriend's house. Her surprised mother opened the door, and the man carried me inside and laid me down on their couch, John said. He faded again. Later at the hospital, John and his mother heard an amazing story. His girlfriend's mother explained that with hardly a word of explanation, a stranger had deposited John on their couch, and while the women were caring for John, he disappeared. The incident was a turning point for John. He became far more serious about his behavior and his respect for his mother and especially his faith in God. I have thought about this accident for over the years, and he said, I have found several things that I cannot explain. For example, how did I escape a high-speed crash with only minor cuts and abrasions? Why was the stranger driving on a barricaded road? How could he be strong enough to move the motorcycle and to easily carry me in his arms? And how did he know where my girlfriend lived? How did he leave without the women noticing? Finally, why didn't the man stick around and see how I was doing? Perhaps the man already knew John would be fine. And I believe in angelic beings, although I am skeptical about the popular view of their interventions, John said. But I can't help but wonder if my rescue that night was an angel. Wow. Another great story. Thank you. My son gave me this book as a gift for my birthday, and I've been reading it ever since. And I I thank you for this, my, my son, and I appreciate it. 
And my prayers go out to everybody. I hope you're doing well in this COVID. Um, we're all still stuck. I I have been hiding out in the house because I need so much medical uh, help. And for me, uh, I have to you know get another cataract done. And I've really been scared. But since I read this Bible this morning, I'm feeling a lot better because uh, – you know, my first one, my left one went really well, but I was very scared. And now that I know what they're going to do to me, I got even terrified. But now I know all of it's in God's hand. And if you take a moment, you know, to pray for me, it's for Tuesday morning. That's what I'm having it done. I really appreciate it. And I feel better now that we read all this. And I really appreciate you tuning in and listening to our Bible study uh, I'm proud of all of us for making it this far, and we are going to start tackling the revelations, scary but true, the revelation about the end times. While we're going, I had my corona test today, it just found negative so I could get my surgery. I was grateful that I tested negative, but let's keep everybody in our prayers, and I pray for your full recovery for those who are turning out positive and those who are struggling with these times of hunger and times of being broke and out of a job and, you know, and then we're grateful if we have any, any good thing happening too, you know, so let's just pray for each other in every and all circumstances and not let, you know, things, uh, the things ruling these principalities, uh, you know, get in our way from loving one another and helping one another. We have to help each other through these hard times. Just remember, if you have extra to give, because I know everybody's trying to get put aside a little bit, but if you have extra to give, please do it. Please donate your extras to others. And uh, there's also people that are actually looking to donate to you. So get involved in the local community efforts. And I notice there's a lot of uh, food giving and stuff. I handed out a bunch of stuff, and I was so happy, you know, that uh, – I donated so much stuff because to me, having too much stuff is also a burden. And uh, just up we pray for each other's health and our welfare and that we have enough to eat and a, and a warm, safe place to sleep and that we are protected from all harm, that if we are in harm's way, that we please have our angels protect us and get us out of it as fast as possible. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And let's close with our traditional prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And now we're going to do this new song. I'm just loving him. And I went to find out his name, and then uh, I misplaced it again. So anyway, it's a song you got to have faith, and I know what he's talking about in this song, and that's what we're going to end with tonight. I love you. God bless you, and you're not forgotten. I love you very much. God bless you. Amen. Here's a song, Gotta Have Faith. Well, some people say you've got to smile through it all. I take a lick with a grin like some painted porcelain doll. I was born a poor man's son With a bucket full of bloom It's hard to pretend you're winning When all you do is lose 
Lord knows I've been wrong out and spent I got no money to pay the rent Strung out in the rainy weather But out two times we work together Lord, can you give me some happy news? Imagine those hearts living with this kind of blues. He said, you gotta have faith. You gotta be strong. Let that spirit guide you. He'll take you where you're trying to go. What you feel inside you hold. Well, it's possible to do But you gotta have faith You got to believe it's true I see the songbirds sleeping in this multi But here I ain't got no place to rest my head Sweeping up the pennies from another dime shore Open the highway signs that tell me where to go The sweet bird tell me now what's your tune You sing a song for me, I sing one for you You said you gotta have faith You gotta be strong Well, it's possible to do, but you gotta have faith. You gotta believe it's true. I see a light shining over the head. I'm to make it, I brought it till I got the way. Let your rain keep on pouring down. 